the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour, 5 p.m., as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. All of us, from time to time, have struggled with within our Christian walk, and that is hearing the voice of God. Um, We are told in John 10 and 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And for all of us that say, gee, I, I just wish I could hear God's voice more distinctly in life. It would be great if there was the loud, thundering, booming voice out of heaven that shakes you to your innermost being. And yet more often than not, when God speaks, he speaks with that still, small voice. Why is that exactly? Well, our next guest has written a book on the very topic called Hearing God in Conversation, How to Recognize His Voice Everywhere, newly published by Kriegel Publications. And its author, our guest today, he is the founding director of Kids of the Heart, author of a number of other best-selling books, including Is Sunday School Destroying Our Kids? Samuel Williamson, great to have you on the program. Hi, Craig. Thanks very much for, welcome, for welcoming me. I really appreciate it. It so would honored. be great if God spoke in this loud, thundering, booming voice that we could know instantly, aha, there is the voice of God instructing me and making the right choices and decisions along life's highway. But in fact, God chooses other methodology. We know certainly that he can speak to us through his word. He can speak to us through others. But that sense of hearing that still, small voice directly inform our that seems to be elusive for a lot of Christians. Why is that? I think it is elusive, and I think part of the reason, Craig, is because people have this expectation that God only speaks to, you know, the high and mighty, the saints, you know, you know, uh, St. Francis of Assisi or Billy Graham or Mother Teresa. And I think it's a false expectation because I think Scripture is very clear when you look at all the heroes of the faith and, and, their, and their foibles. I I think it's very clear that God speaks to us because of his greatness and not because of our greatness. And and we can have a confidence because his greatness is so great and our greatness is so small. But he he speaks to us because of his greatness. All right, so toward that end then, um, it, it, part of it then has to do with our sense of, of, of perspective on our relationship. If God is speaking to us in and out of his greatness, uh, that would also require me to understand the nature of or the balance of the relationship that I have with God, would it not? It absolutely does. And, you know, the Scripture is filled with metaphors that God himself uses to teach us about our relationship with him. 
And he says that we are the sheep, he is the shepherd. He says that we are the servants, he is the master. We're the subjects, he is the king. But it also says we are the children, he is the father. You know, it breathtakingly intimately, he says we are the spouse and he is the bridegroom. But every one of these metaphors is a human relationship. And, you know, Craig, the essence of relationship, if you think of your, uh, of your family, of your spouse, of your friends, the essence of relationship is communication. And it's two-way communication. And I think when we read Scripture, Scripture overflows with the idea of God wanting to speak to us, wanting us to recognize His voice. It, it's the essence of Christianity, a relationship with God. And I think God promises and mm, invites us to have a, a, a communicative, a, a, a conversational relationship with Him. All right, now let's talk about that because that suggests, as you talk about relationship, and anybody I think with with half a mind understands that in order for there to be any success in a relationship, there needs to be that sense of give and take, and that's true of marriage relationships. It's true if you want to get along with uh, with your siblings or get along with your uh, your offspring. Uh, but with that said, it, it it it's kind of a curiosity in that uh, so often when we we think about conversation with God, what we really think about or engage in is monologue. And yet what God wants is dialogues. It's not just a matter of, of God hearing from us and usually our laundry list of all the things that we want or our complaints, but then hearing back from God in return. And I think a lot of people find getting into that place where we have a sense that it's not a monologue, but rather a dialogue with God, that seems to be elusive because it requires upon us as well to be listening as well as talking. Absolutely, Craig. Absolutely. And I would say that the few times that we especially want to hear him is the big times of decisions in our life. Like, you know, should I become a doctor or a lawyer or a business person? Should I become a radio host? You know, or should I marry this person or that person? I think that we're, we typically mostly hope for God for the major decisions of our life. But Craig, I don't know about anything about your relationship with your father or your parents, but le- but let me ask you a question of your fondest memory of your parents. Uh, you know, if you can think back of your whole life, was it times that they lectured to you or was it times when they just talked to you? Oh, I think that's very clear. I mean, all of us remembering <laughs> our, our childhood years recall a lot of lectures. Uh, and yet, as, as profound as those moments <laughs> might have been, uh, my, my dad, who, uh, who went to be with the Lord, I still, at 8 o'clock on Sunday evenings, pause, and there's that sense of, of uh, that gap. Because yeah. Yeah. while we talk throughout the week at various times, uh, 8 o'clock Sunday evening seemed to be the time when the week was over with, the weekend was over with, and we had a chance to get on the phone for a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever it took, and just dialogue, just converse back and forth, and he'd tell his stories, and I would tell mine, and and I I cherish those moments probably more so than the lectures. (laughs) Of course, absolutely, and mine's the same way. My dad and I, you know, high school might have been a little tougher, but, I mean, for for 30 years, my dad and I had a wonderful conversational relationship, and and that's what I remember. And even with my wife, you know, my wife and I, we, we went on our 30th anniversary to 
Italy a few years ago. But really, the, the heart and soul of our relationship is when we just sit after dinner and have a cup of coffee and talk together. And it's not even, you know, earth-shattering discussions. It's just normal discussions. And I believe this is what God wants for his people. In fact, how are we going to recognize God's voice in, in, in the storm of a terrible decision? If we haven't learned to recognize his voice in the calm wind of a, you know, a, an evening breeze, mm. we, we really need to recognize God's voice in a conversation. If we're going to learn to recognize his voice in those very desperate times when we have to make a hard decision. There is a reason why, and, and God certainly in his infinite power could choose to use the loud, thundering voice from the heavens, as we all uh, sort of think of, you know, VR experience in the movies. And yet God, I think, purposefully has chosen to instead speak through, as we see articulated in Scripture, through the still, small voice. And I want to ask you why you think that is and what we can learn from that when we come back to more of our conversation. Samuel Williamson with us today. The book, Hearing God in Conversation, How to Recognize His Voice Everywhere. The new book, by the way, newly published by Kriegel Publications. You'll find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, as well as you can order directly through Samuel's website at beliefsoftheheart.com. A brief time out. Back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. Now that I've got your attention, let me tell you all about us. Whoa, tough crowd. Anybody out there? Hello, anyone? Fighting to be heard in today's competitive digital world? It's time for Salem Surround. Let us handle everything and get your message seen and heard. Let's turn up the volume on your business with Salem Surround. Learn more at surroundsanfrancisco.com. That's surroundsanfrancisco.com. Your local radio stations are here for you. No subscriptions or monthly fees necessary. We're here to give you the news, weather, and traffic you need and the music you love. But if the foreign-owned record labels get their way, it could stop the music. They want Congress to force radio stations to pay them more money simply to play their music. Don't let radio go silent. Text LOCAL to 52886 and tell Congress to protect local radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of broadcasters. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are back to our conversation and Samuel Williamson, our guest today, his new book, Hearing God in Conversation, How to Recognize His Voice Everywhere. Now, Samuel, God being God, he can choose to communicate by any means he desires. We'll recall a time when he chose to communicate through a burning bush as uh, Moses had the experience. Uh, we, we know that he could open up the heavens with a thunderous voice, but instead, for the most part, for most believers, um, rather than the loud, thundering voice that we would know as it shook us to our very core that it was clearly the voice of God, instead God chooses to speak in that that still small voice, as Scripture tells us. Why is that? Is that is that? It's got to be. God is a very purposeful God. There's got to be a reason behind that. I, I think there's two reasons, Craig. And I think the first is we're, we're all familiar with the passage in First Kings. I think it's 19, but it might be 20, where God speaks to Elijah out of a still small voice. But the background of that is Elijah is just 
been involved in one of the greatest miracles God does in the Old Testament. You know, there's this big contest between the prophets of Baal and the prophet of God, Elijah. And Elijah builds this, you know, he puts, he puts together an altar and he puts together the wood on it, he puts a sacrifice on it, and God sends a fiery bolt down from heaven, burns up the sacrifice and the wood and the water and the stones and even the earth, and nobody changes. I mean, Elijah is expecting the people to rise up against Ahab and Jezebel. You know, if not rise up, at least he's expecting some, some, some protesters out front saying, we want the Lord, you know, we want the Lord. But nothing happens. And, and Elijah becomes terribly depressed, and he goes down to Mount Sinai. And that's where, it's very interesting, God says, an earthquake came by, but there was no. But God was not in the earthquake. A whirlwind came by, and God was not in the earthquake. In the whirlwind, and a fire came by, and God was not in the fire. And the thing that's so funny is that when God spoke to Moses, He spoke out of the fiery bush. So we spoke out of fire. When God spoke on Mount Sinai to the people of Israel, He spoke out of an earthquake. And when God spoke to Job, He did speak out of a whirlwind. So it's not that God doesn't speak in those things. But I think the deliberate contrast with this huge, spectacular miracle and not changing people's hearts is part of God's point when he finally says, and then God spoke in a still small voice. I don't think the spectacular changes us, Craig. I mean, I wish I could say if I had something spectacular would change me, but I really think it's the still, small, quiet, conversational voice of God every day that changes my heart. And, and I would think the big miracles do, but you know, Jesus did all kinds of miracles and the Pharisees didn't change their minds. And, and so I, I really do think God is saying there, there's a part of us humans, maybe us humans in the Western world especially, there's a part of us that wants the spectacular and the miraculous. And I believe in the spectacular and miraculous. Please don't misunderstand me. But I think the thing that changes my heart is when I sit in my chair and I hear God say, you know, Sam, I think you were ignoring your wife. I think you should go repent to her. And it's a quiet, calm voice that has a steady assurance in his voice. And so I think God really, I think God has an has a invitation. So my first reason that God speaks out of the still small voice instead of the spectacular is I think that's the way humans work. I would say the second reason is I think God likes us to seek Him. And sometimes when we speak, seek the spectacular, we're, we're hoping for an emotional experience more than just to be touched by the hand and the heart and the tongue of God. So He wants us to seek Him. I'm sorry for that long answer, Greg. I really appreciate your kindness. No, it, it's an appropriate answer, and I think it also puts things in perspective, and that is to recognize, too, that we serve a holy and righteous God. Amen. Um, Amen. That, I'm really serious. That, that, that sense of, and I think we've, we've, we've lost this in, in the modern-day world, that, that sense of, for example, what it meant to be a priest to enter into the holy of holies. Right. right. And that tremendous sense of, of respect and reverence to realize that the priest was entering into the very presence of God. 
uh, people forget that so much so, um, and, and Catholics listening will appreciate this, um, a bell is rung uh, during the consecration of the host uh, during Mass. And um, a bell was also um, uh, part of uh, what happened during the, the sacrifice that would take place inside of the Holy of Holies. And a rope was tied around the ankle of the priest. Absolutely. Should should the priest be found with sin and God strike him dead as being unfit to be in his presence and to offer the sacrifice on behalf of the people of Israel so that they could literally pull the priest out. Because if they went in there, they would be struck. Exactly right. So I think we've <laughs> lost that sense of 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 awe in the presence of God and in realizing that God doesn't have to raise his voice to us. He is God. Well, and you know, the one time that God did handwriting on the wall, you know, we all talk about it, just what handwriting on the wall. The one time God wrote on the wall, the message basically was King Belshazzar, you're going to die tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I think I can live without handwriting on the wall tonight. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you're right. And the other notion here too, and I learned this years ago in in debate. Um, we have a tendency, as human beings, uh, we saw this uh, just last night. You'll probably see it again on Sunday during the debates as we're trying to, out of frustration, get our point across. We tend to think if we raise our voices, you'll hear us. Yeah, right. And yet, I learned many, many years ago that if you really want to get the most important point across, don't raise your voice. Instead, lower your voice. Mm. And people will lean in and pay more attention. And I think perhaps God is using the same principle with us. He wants us to pay attention, to recognize who he is in the splendor and glory of all of his grace and righteousness and holiness, and realize that he does care. And not only does he care, not only does he want to hear from us, but he also wants us to hear from him as we engage in that that dialogue or that conversation, uh, as you call it in the title of the book, Samuel, so that in and through that, uh, we can not only recognize his voice, but also walk in a deeper level of fellowship and pure relationship with Tim that perhaps a lot of us have never never taken it to that level, never really experienced. I agree with you completely. I, I, you know, Christianity is about relationship. And, and relationship, the heart and soul relationship is really the normal life. It's, it's not... The spectacular is great. You know, don't, don't, don't deny me any of the spectacular... But the heart and soul of a relationship is just the normal, everyday, faithful talking and being together. And, and really, that's what makes life rich. And I think that's what God is inviting us into. I, I believe God wants us to hear his voice every day. Almost every day. There's, there's times where he might be silent because he can't tell us something. But I, I really believe that God has something for us. And that, as, as you're talking about, he wants, he wants us to be able to enter into the Holy of Holies because the the temple curtain was torn That's right. so that we can enter back into a relationship with him that, that was lost in the Garden of Eden. 
And, you know, we can probably talk to a lot of wives out there who would say their husbands never learn to listen, and perhaps <laughs> vice versa. Uh, God, I think... Please don't call my wife. <laughs> She's online, too, you say? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think, though, that, that, that we can also uh, learn a lot from that, that, that God perhaps would observe that we've never learned to listen to him. We talk a lot about wanting to hear from God, but do we really want to hear from God? Do we want to not only be vulnerable at that level, but take the time to walk in the fellowship and to have the kind of of intimacy with God that he really wants, not only of us, but for us. It's a compelling read and can be a life-changing one for you. Hearing God in Conversation, How to Recognize His Voice Everywhere. Newly published by Kriegel Publishers. You'll find it available available at bookstores throughout the Bay Area, as well as through the usual suspects, Amazon.com, and at Samuel's website, beliefsoftheheart.com. That's beliefsoftheheart.com. And our thanks to Samuel Williamson for being with us on this segment of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Well, you know, every year during the first of January, so often many of us will look to resolutions. We'll promise ourselves everything from trying to get more exercise, to lose weight, to perhaps uh, be more dutiful at being involved in ministry at church, spending more time with our wife, our kids, all of these things which are certain key and important to life. When we think about the big questions about life, one of the big questions perhaps that most of us struggle at one point or another to try to gain an answer to, and that is understanding specifically what God wants of us, through us, and in our lives. Essentially, trying to understand what is His will for my life. As we enter in this new season of new beginnings here in the typical January, learning how to reach your full potential for God. Certainly no stranger to the KFAX listeners. He is the host of In Touch, heard weekday afternoons at 4 p.m. here on KFAX. And pleased to have with us today, Dr. Charles Stanley. And uh, Pastor, great to have you on the program. Well, delighted to be with you, Craig. You know, we think about, again, New Year's and new beginnings and resolutions and so forth. I can't imagine any bigger question than most of us can ask ourselves. And maybe it's one that we ask not only at the beginning of, of a new year, but at certain uh, key marks in life, be it uh, when we get married, when we retire, when we find a new job, when we perhaps are going to become a parent. And that is struggling to answer this question, learn more about what God wants of us and how to fully reach our potential for God. Well, what he wants above everything else in our life is a personal, intimate relationship with himself. Everything else he can do. But that is something we have to yield to with him. And when you think about all the ways that he works in our life, ultimately, that's his will. And so he's willing, because that's his purpose and his will, he's willing to do whatever is necessary in our life to enable us to develop that relationship. And when that relationship is right, everything else is going to get right because the truth is every aspect of our life flows out of and is influenced and impacted by a personal relationship with Him. So when somebody says, well, I don't know the will of God for my life, you can know because if He has a will, He certainly isn't going to keep it a secret. He's willing to show us if we're willing to submit ourselves. And I think a lot of people want to know the will of God in order to consider it 
not to do it. And God doesn't play those kind of games. And you know, and it's interesting. I think about uh, so many of us that as we came to Christ, if uh, perhaps a friend or a loved one uh, shared the gospel message with us. So one of the, the four key steps to salvation, understanding that God has a plan for our life. And of course, that goes beyond simply the relationship and coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and walking in fellowship with him, but then ultimately into what it is that he wants to do in us and through us. And I found it interesting in some of your opening remarks to this Thomas Nelson book, Reach Your Full Potential for God, Never Never Settle for Less Than His Best. You talk about the fact that God impressed upon your heart that to understand fully what God wants to do in us and through us, you have to approach this at the get-go with a clean heart, a clear mind, and a balanced schedule. I have to tell you, those three items alone caught my attention. Well, that's the way it is. And I woke up one morning about three o'clock and out of a dead sleep, and it's like the Lord said, do you want to reach your full potential for your life? And I said, well, sure. And so I thought I didn't know what was going on, but I pulled out a pad and a pen I keep on my bed. And so as I began to just be quiet and listen, the Lord just laid out all seven of those points uh, to me very clearly. And when you think about it, I, I thought, well, now, am I sure this is of God? And I looked at him again and again, and I thought, yes, because this is the way he thinks. First of all, a clean heart and a clear mind. In other words, and a balanced schedule, that is, that he has the proper time that he needs to work in our life. And if my, if my, heart's, not, if my heart's not clean, my mind is not going to really be clear. And I'm not going to operate in my life on his schedule. And when we operate on his schedule, we can't do our best and we won't do our best. So, so much of this really reaching our full potential in the Lord, whatever that might be, and certainly it, it's different for all of us. God gives and grants to each and every one of us different skills, talents, abilities, and, and goals. But in order to fully reach that, we really have to be walking in uh, the fullness of his fellowship then, don't we? That, that This needs to be an intimate kind of relationship with the Lord that can't be something that's just sort of approached uh, casually. Absolutely. And this is why I said in the very beginning our personal, intimate relationship with Him impacts everything. When that's right, I'm, I'm going to have a clear mind about His will for my life. I'm going to understand His schedule for my life. I'm going to have right relationships. I'm going to be willing to take risks for Him. And things will fall in place. And it doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy, but it means that no matter what I face, I'm going to come through it. I'm going to come through it successfully because in order to do that, you've got to submit yourself to the will of God. And submitting yourself to the will of God isn't always easy, because I think a lot of people are afraid to do that. They think, well, I want to do the will of God, but suppose he asked me to do this, or suppose he asked me to do that. Because he's a God of love, he's only going to require of us what is best for us. And my unwillingness to do what he says is because I don't trust him to love me enough to just choose the best. I would imagine in your many, many years in pulpit ministry and as pastor, uh, this question has been brought before you time and time again, this question. Well, pastor, I just don't understand what is God's will for my life. And I would suspect then that part of this answer for a lot of people that struggle with that is the notion that they're fearful. Well, gee, you know, if I really pursue God, what if God asked me to become a missionary on the foreign mission field or or do something that I don't really feel cut out to do? This 
God do things like that? I mean, is he is he of the character that he's going to surprise us and, and call us to do something that we're neither inclined to do or even equipped to do? There are some things he's going to do that's going to surprise us, all right. But they're coming from the perspective that, that God's motivation is judgment and punishment and testing me and trying me when God's motivation is love. Now, if he wants to send somebody to the mission field, that isn't God doing something bad for them. That's God giving them an opportunity. But it always goes back to what is my attitude toward God. In other words, do I see him as a heavenly father who loves me, who has saved me, who wants to show me his will, provide my needs, test me, try me, yes, but all of that to grow me up and become the person he wants me to be. And those periods of testing and trial are for our good. And it's interesting. I've always thought the passage of Scripture where we're reminded that God will give us the desires of our heart, but in another passage that we are encouraged to keep our mind and our heart focused on him. And so if we put him first in life, and he is the central, he is uh, our our heart's desire, so to speak, uh, that as he comes to fulfill those desires in the end, this will be something that will not only give glory to his name, but also much delight to us. And I guess in the end, when we talk about determining what he wants for us and discovering and reaching our full potential for him, uh, in the end becomes not only a delight for the Lord, but a delight unto us as well. And when he says, if we delight ourselves in him, I think most folks don't realize that he must be central in our life, that if I'm delighting myself in him, then my decisions are going to be based always on this. What's pleasing to God? What is his will in this situation? What would he have me to do? Not what do I want to do and then want to make him fit my plan. But what do you say then, Pastor, to the person who says, but Pastor Stanley, you don't understand. I'm so average. I'm plain. There's nothing really special about me. I, I don't have the ability of, of, of great oratory skills to get on the radio or up in the pulpit and proclaim the Word of God. I, I don't have a degree in anything. I'm, I'm just kind of an average Joe. Um, how could God ever possibly use me? I think many people have asked that question. Probably everybody who's ever accomplished anything has asked that at some point. But the issue is not... Uh, comparing ourselves with others we think about what we have and don't have then we're comparing ourselves with others the question is what has God given me and what is God able to do with what he has given me and the truth is we would say well God is does the impossible but many people have problems with this because they have a poor self-image uh, they have uh, a poor uh, image of what they're capable of doing. They have lots of fears. They're, they're afraid to fail. They're afraid of what people are going to say, a criticism. And so a lot of that negative thinking is the result of their attitudes that have no real scriptural basis whatsoever. God wants the best, will provide the best. All he's looking for is submission to his will and let him decide what he wants to do with us. And, you know, so much of this comes back down to, I think, one of the central points when we talked earlier about a clean heart, clear mind, and a balanced schedule. That that word balance is so key to this. Uh, speaking to uh, Jim Dobson uh, on the occasion of his retirement from full-time ministry and looking back over the course of 30 years of ministry with focus on the family and, of course, the big question, could you ever have imagined in the 1970s when you began with one little radio station down in Southern California, that this ministry would ever grow to the level and potential that it has to become now this international outreach. And of course, the response, you know, 
if I had known what this would have grown to, I would have been scared to death and too afraid to start it. I think sometimes we need to realize that it's good if we have a sense that we aren't fully capable, that we can't do it in and all of ourselves, because if we felt otherwise, then there would be, in many levels, no sense or no need for God. Absolutely, and I think the spirit the spirit of, of inadequacy that is based on a true genuine understanding of who God is and His holiness is always healthy. And once we step out of line with that sense of personal inadequacy, uh, pride, arrogance, and everything else gets in the way, and we're not going to be able to be used by God. He's not going to use arrogance. Dr. Charles Stanley, my guest on this edition of Lifeline, Reach Your Full Potential for God, Never Settle for Less Than His Best, published by Thomas Nelson. We'll take a brief time out when we come back, learning how to move beyond the settled for life, as our conversation with Dr. Charles Stanley continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to Lifeline, our conversation with Pastor Charles Stanley, host of In Touch Ministries. Of course, the program comes your way each weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. here on KFAX. And more information on the web at intouch.org. And it's interesting, Pastor Stanley, I think for so many of us, as we go through certain high water marks in life, and this might be times of uh, perhaps a marriage or a divorce or death of a spouse, a loss of a job, or retiring, or even becoming a new parent, uh, these times and occasions when we struggle with the question of what does God want from us? What does he want of us? How can we reach our full potential? And then sometimes I think, unfortunately, we get, we get discouraged, we get bogged down by the challenges and obstacles of life, and we end up settling for less than his very best. How can we how can we move past that settled for kind of life? What we have to do, one of the first things is this, and that is to recognize who we are from God's perspective. We are one of his children, created in his image, to bring him glory and honor, and he has promised that he will be with us, enable us, encourage us, provide for us, no matter what in every circumstance. And when I think about how many people can quote Romans eight twenty eight, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who call to go into his purpose, oftentimes people will quote that, but they don't believe it about themselves. Mm. And they are willing to settle for far less because for a number of reasons. Sometimes, as we said, they have fear of failure. Sometimes they're just lazy. They're not willing to pay the price. They're not willing to submit themselves to the Lord's way and His will in their life. And so they settle for less than that. Then they become very angry oftentimes or very discouraged and and always want to blame it on somebody else. We have to take responsibility for our life and recognize that God is very involved in our life and that whatever our needs are, He will supply if we submit to His will and do it His way. I would imagine one of the big um, big obstacles to achieving that sense of, of full potential and enjoying that, that inner drive and that enthusiasm for life and, and what you do in and through the Lord is the roadblock of being unwilling to surrender fully to Him, would you think? Absolutely. I do believe that that is the major issue and that one willingness to surrender is either selfishness from that part, we want our way, or fear of what God may require of us. And oftentimes, people will head in that direction and then just begin to doubt. 
and they give up and just say, well, I can't do it, or who am I, as we said a few moments ago, what can I do, what has God done for me? And every person has gifts, every person has talents and abilities. Some people are willing to employ them and take the risk of failure or criticism, and some people are just not willing to do it. We talked a moment ago about some of those important life junctures, uh, and I think perhaps there are some of those high watermark points in life when it's it's always healthy to um, sort of take account of where we're at, not only in our relationship with Christ, our relationship with our children, our spouse, and to make sure that we're indeed on track for for the plan that He has for us. You know, we're, we're told in Scripture that that He's begun a good work in us, that He will complete that uh, through our days. But I I think it's important, perhaps, as we hit some of those important timelines in life, whether we're we're beginning out in a new marriage, maybe we've just gone through a pain of divorce through no fault of our own, and now we're struggling with that. Maybe we've lost a spouse. Is it important, Pastor Stanley, at those moments to sit down and kind of take a fresh account of not only where we're at in our relationship with him, but also to not only make sure we're on track for what he wants for us and wants to do through us, but also maybe to ask the question, and maybe God wants to take us in a, a different direction with new goals at those junctures? I think you're absolutely correct. And because there are situations and circumstances where we have to make changes. We have to make changes about the way we think, changes about our schedule, changes, for example, about our, our, what we think is His will and purpose and plan for our life. And those times are very, very important because so often a person's life takes a turn uh, for the good or maybe not for the good as a result of maybe just ignoring the seriousness of the situation and leaving God out, making decisions on the basis of what seems to be right or wrong or what's the easiest way out. Very important, not only in critical junctures like that, but the truth is every day when we awaken in the morning, we ought to be saying, now, Lord, Show me your will for my life today. Make me sensitive about the people I meet. Help me to be perceptive about the things that are going on around me. And show me your will for this day, step by step. And when we're willing to do that, he's there. He's there to enable us, no matter what we're going through. And then finally, I'm wondering, Pastor Stanley, about measurement of performance. You know, uh, many of us in the workplace, uh, we will have a semi-annual or annual meetings with our immediate supervisor who will take a look at things like uh, our attendance record, how we interact with fellow employees, deal with customers and clients and things of this sort, and then help evaluate us. And we'll note the areas where we are excelling or, or achieving our goals and outstanding performance, uh, areas where maybe we're just satisfactory, other areas where perhaps our performance is unsatisfactory. How do we go about ascertaining whether or not we're really hitting the mark when it comes to serving God and achieving the goals and plans that He has for our life? I think so often many of us will try to compare where we're at against other people and say, well, gee, you know, I'm I'm just a pastor of a small church and I only have 75 members in my congregation, so God must be dissatisfied with me because, gee, the pastor up the block has got 800 members. How do we go about ascertaining whether or not we're actually on track for what God's will is for our life? First of all, is my heart clean? Am I thinking scripture? Am I thinking clearly? What about my schedule? What, how am I spending my time? And am I using it uh, wisely or am I wasting time? What about my relationships? How very important they are in my life. And as a person, 
goes down each one of these, uh, it gives them a time to think through where they are in life. And I think this has to happen many, many times in life, not just at the critical junctures, but I can think in my own life, oftentimes, right before God has uh, given me some instruction about something, uh, that to make a change, that's I, I would have this feeling, I just need to give some time to the Lord and get in His Word and be quiet. Mm-hmm. Just say, Lord, I want you to examine my heart. I want you to show me if there's some area here that you want to change. And if there is an area of change, and most of the time there is something going on, then He's going to show us what it is. And He's not going to show us judgmentally, but He's going to show us to encourage us and to remind us that the change that needs to take place, He will enable us to do it. In that way, we keep progressing in life no matter what. And it it strikes me that it takes us back full circle to one of those key points that you talked about in the beginning of our conversation. Uh, This sense of a clean heart, a clean mind, a balanced schedule, and the willingness to surrender. You know, sometimes we'll go before the Lord at one of these critical junctures, or just when it's time to to sort of refresh and renew and, and check in with God, so to speak, to make sure that we're on track. The willingness to say, Lord, I'm going to surrender to you, and I'm going to seek your face and your answers for where I'm headed next, and I might have some thoughts and desires in my own heart to understand that I need to surrender even that, and sometimes if we if we say before the Lord, gee, God, will you do this for me or take me in this direction, that if God gives you a no answer, that that's still an answer. That's exactly right, <laughs> because his no answers are answers for our protection and for our guidance and for our good. No's are not always bad. Again, reach your full potential for God. Never settle for less than his best by Thomas Nelson. And the book, again, available at bookstores. In touch with Pastor Charles Stanley each weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. here on KFAX. And more information about both the book and Pastor Stanley's ministry on the web at intouch.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.